By that same faith, we turn now to that same word that God's people have been hearing and heeding throughout the ages. You can see in your bulletin that we're turning now to the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. We've been making our way through these verses in Isaiah 55 over the past few weeks. A few weeks ago, we looked at the opening verses, verses 1 through 5. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Verses 1 through 5. There we noticed the summons of the gospel with wisdom woven into it and a promise attached to it. Verses 1 through 5. And then last time we looked at verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verses 6 through 9. Sinners called to repentance. Called to repentance now. With the promise of forgiveness upon repentance. Because God is not like us. His ways, his thoughts. So immeasurably higher than our own. And that's as far as we've got. So this morning, you can see we're picking up with verses 10 and 11. And and the reassurance that we got last time, that the promise of forgiveness can be trusted, that reassurance, if anything, is only reinforced here. Listen now to verses 10 and 11. Here is the word of God. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word, for we know our need of it, our need for the light that emanates from it, a light that lightens our path in a dark world. So would your word do that for us even now and as we go forth from this place. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. It must be tough to be a weatherman, especially when it comes to precipitation, pressures on. When it comes to rain and snow, people really want you to get it right, especially school children and school superintendents. But the nature of the business, the weather forecasting business, is that sometimes you don't get it right, and you will hear about it. Well, you can think of verses 10 and 11 here in Isaiah 55 as a precipitation forecast that is rock-solid certain to come true. The Word of God is going to come down. 
like rain and snow. And even better, and this is what, what's promised here, the word of God, when it comes down, it's going to work. It's going to go to work when it gets here. No weatherman can make promises, but God can. The one who rules over nature and supernature alike. God can make promises, and when he does, he keeps them. And here he does make promises. So let's take a look. Take a look, first of all, at verse 10, because we've got just these two verses in front of us today, verses 10 and 11. Look at verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, and then... We'll go on from there in verse 11. But there in verse 10, we'll just pause there. The Lord, in his word, is making use of the reality of this this earthly experience. And it is the reality of rain and snow falling down and making the earth fruitful. Interesting that snow is mentioned here. Snow would have been relatively uncommon in Isaiah's world, and even here in our world, Fairfax, Virginia, USA, we don't usually think of snow as watering the earth to make it fruitful. We think, no, that's what rain's for, snow is for other things, snow is for sledding and missing school and panicking at the grocery store. But of course, even snow has a certain watering effect. It's all part of the way God causes the earth to be just what he wants it to be, and to provide in just the way that he wants it to provide. And we shouldn't be surprised to find that in the poetry, the the imaginative poetry of the prophet, even in Isaiah's world, it's the rain and the snow that are mentioned together as a pair that do this good work for us. They work together. And the point is, they are successful at their work. The rain and the snow, they're good at it. The rain and the snow, they work together to make the earth fruitful, and it actually happens. That's the outcome. That's the effect. Now, that's not to deny that rain and snow have other effects as well. Sometimes rain and snow have effects that we'd rather they not have. Rain soaks an outdoor wedding. Snow causes car accidents. Rain ruins your tennis outing. That's the one that's always weighed on me. Snow causes panic at the grocery store. Rain washes away homes. A few years ago, after a spell when we'd gotten rain around here for like two straight weeks, the Washington Post decided to honor the phenomenon with a haiku contest so that people could express their deepest feelings about the rain. Tip-taps of rain on my window tip-taps my nerves. Sunny days, please come. That was one entry. Here was another. Rain kills my commute. At least there's reliable metro LOL. I guess that's how you get to five syllables in the last one. Here was another one. 14 days of rain, DC's the new Seattle, but with less Starbucks. 
This one was my favorite. George Harrison wrote, Here comes the sun, do, do, do. We have been lied to. (laughs) So, no question, we don't always think happy thoughts when it comes to precipitation. Sometimes rain and snow have effects that we'd rather they not have, and we're moved to express our lamentation in poetry. But the point is, we shouldn't be so worried about that or frustrated by that. Frustrated by those realities that we lose sight of this one, which is beautiful and life-giving, which is that the rain and the snow come down from heaven as an expression of divine goodness to make the earth fruitful so that it provides for it. And it happens so that we can live. So that's the reality in earthly experience that the Lord and his word is making use of here in verse 10. The reality of rain and snow coming down so that we're provided for. That's verse 10. And then in verse 11... You see what that that image, that illustration, that analogy is being used for. Look at verse 11. So shall my word be. So here the analogy is completed. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. So the reality of rain and snow coming down to make the earth fruitful so that it provides for us, that's serving as an image for the word of the Lord accomplishing his purposes in the world. The word of the Lord, as it were, comes down from on high and accomplishes his purposes in the world, indeed, in our own lives. His word has effects. It brings about outcomes. And those outcomes, those effects, they are not accidental. They are not uncertain. They are certain. They are purposeful, divinely purposeful. As it's put here, the word of the Lord goes out from him, comes down from him, and it doesn't come back to him empty. In other words, it's not going to come back to him having accomplished nothing. That will never be. It will always have its intended effects, which are his intended purposes for it. So that's what's going on here in these two verses, 10 and 11. The analogy that's set before us. Verse 10, an earthly reality. Verse 11, a spiritual one. Placed side by side. So that's what's going on in these two verses. And when you stop and think about it, what's going on here, especially the way it fits into the chapter as a whole. Remember, we're looking at just two verses today. But these two verses fit in to the flow of this seamless Isaiah 55. Well, it's a lot like something I said last time. Remember, last time it was... Um, God's reassurance, my thoughts and my ways are not like yours, they're higher than yours. And what I was saying about that was, okay, that is a, a sweeping truth about God, and we could spend weeks and weeks on that sweeping truth, but here in this chapter, it's serving a narrow, focused, particular purpose. Well, we can say the same thing here this week. 
about what God is claiming about his word. The word of the Lord accomplishes the purposes of the Lord. That is a sweeping truth, and we could spend weeks and weeks on that alone. But in this passage, it's serving a narrow, focused, particular purpose. And that's, that's what I want us to do with the few minutes we've got left. To think about both of those. To think about this sweeping claim that's being made about God's word. And then to notice how it pays off in this chapter. Because that will help us to appreciate how it ought to pay off. The difference it ought to make in our own lives. So sweeping truth. Particular purpose. So let's begin by reflecting a little bit on this sweeping, this comprehensive claim that's made about the Word of God, which is that the Word of God accomplishes the purposes of God. And you can see that if you just let your mind roam over the Bible. In all of these different ways in which you see God speaking Speaking in a way that's powerful and effectual. Just let your mind roam over the Bible because there are all of these instances of that. Beginning with the beginning. Beginning with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, how did God go about the business of ordering and filling what he'd made? He did it by his word. Over and over again. In the very first chapter in the Bible, in Genesis 1, you read, God said, let there be, and there was. God said, God said, let there be, and there was. Whenever God says, let there be, there's no doubt what God says is to be, will be. And that's because what God says is to be is the expression of his own divine will. It will be. There's no chance he's going to to say those words, let there be, and then crickets, and then nothing happens, and then awkward silence. I think of the of Sound of Music. It's not like the end of The Sound of Music. The guy says, the Von Trapp family singers. Nothing happens. They do not appear. Let there be Von Trapps. And there were no Von Trapps. He's not on that stage. Even when he says it again. When we say, as human beings, as finite creatures, as fallen creatures, when we say, let there be, it doesn't always be. But with God, it always bees. And that's true from the very beginning. All the way back to creation. And then we can keep going. Creation was the first example of this. We can keep going, secondly, to Revelation. And I don't mean the the book at the end of the Bible. I mean just the phenomenon that is God revealing his mind and will so that we know him, so that we understand him insofar as we can. And now we've got that revelation in the form of the Bible. The point is God has spoken Throughout Bible history, God was pleased to speak his mind to his people in a variety of ways. And he was also pleased to have that revelation written down in Scripture and thank God that he did. 
And so now we've got that revelation in the form of the Bible. We've got his word in hand. And now the church is preaching that word around the world. And here's the point. That word, that revelation from God is accomplishing in the world exactly what God wants it to. It is not failing. And what God wants His word, which has gone forth from him, which has come down from him, what God wants his word to accomplish is calling a people to himself. The word is gathering in the elect of God. And then the word is at work in their lives, transforming them as the people of God. It's happening. Because the word has come down from God to do that. And when God speaks, it happens. In effect, God is saying, let there be a people for my glory. And when God says, let there be, it happens. So creation was one. Revelation was another. Remember, these are examples of this sweeping claim about the word of God. Creation, revelation. Here's a third And this is why I read John 1 for us earlier in our service. It's incarnation. It's true in the very person and work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saying that the Word of God accomplishes the purposes of God. Well, according to John 1, Jesus himself is the living Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. Think about what that means to say that about a person, that a person is the Word. What it must mean is that he is in his very person the expression of the Father. Isn't that what a Word is? A Word is is something that, that comes forth from a person and expresses them in some way or another. The Son in his very person is an expression of the character and the purposes of the Father. He is the Word. And so Jesus, as the divine Word, personalizes and embodies this truth. He came into the world as the very living word of God. And sure enough, just like Isaiah 55, he came into the world. He came down from heaven on a mission. And the mission of the living word was to fulfill the purposes of the Father. And he did it. And he's doing it still. He did not fail. Like rain and snow, not failing but making the earth fruitful just the way God intended. Jesus said this himself about why he came, about why he came down. John 6, verse 38, Jesus said this, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 6, 38. Those are the words of the one who is the living word. And when you think about it, Jesus is the living word. That gives Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, a whole new meaning. Because we rightly bring Christian meaning to these verses. 
Once you've seen the glory of Jesus as the living word, thankfully, you cannot unsee it. And it's like you can no longer read Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, the same way again. Because now, as a Christian, as a Christian, you can't read those verses anymore without thinking about the one who is the Christ. Who is the Word. So creation, revelation, incarnation. Here's just one more. And sure enough, here we go from the beginning of the Bible to the end. All the way to new creation. From creation to revelation to incarnation. And finally this one, new creation. In the beginning, God kept saying, let there be. And there was. Well, it's going to be the same sort of reality in the end. In the end, the end of the age, when Jesus comes back, Jesus who was and is and will be the living word, he will speak. And on that day, his word will accomplish his purposes. And that is a forecast you can count on. In the end, on the day that he comes back, Jesus will say, in effect, let there be resurrection. And there will be resurrection. And Jesus will say, let there be justice. And there will be justice. And he will say, let there be glory. And there will be glory. And then he will say, let there be feasting. And there will be feasting. In the end, when Jesus comes back, he will speak Words will come forth from his lips, and everything he says will be. So, brothers and sisters, all of that is an unpacking of this sweeping claim, this comprehensive claim about the Word of God. Creation, revelation, incarnation, new creation, over and over again, in every way, In every moment along the way, it can be said that the word of God comes down, comes forth, and accomplishes the purposes of God. So now the question is, if that was the first bit of ground we were going to cover, the sweeping truth about God's word, now we pivot to the second, bit more briefly now, which is to ask the question, What's that sweeping truth doing here in Isaiah 55? What purpose is it serving here in this chapter? Well, again, it's a lot lot like this same pattern last time. What we saw last time was this astounding promise. The promise that forgiveness from God is the result of my repenting unto God. Which is astounding, not only because forgiveness from God itself is a staggering thought, but also because it's promised upon my repentance, and I know even my repentance needs repenting. Because it can be weak and shallow and halting and reluctant. And so we need reassurance that that really is true. 
as it's promised here in the verses above in Isaiah 55, that when we go back to God, even not repenting entirely as we should, immeasurable pardon, staggering pardon is waiting for us. Well, here's more reassurance. The word of the Lord accomplishes the purposes of the Lord. And you see, that, that sweeping truth that we have just surveyed, that further reassures us and reinforces the point that, yes, we can trust that promise of forgiveness. Yes, it sounds too good to be true. The, the promise that forgiveness is waiting for me like that when I go back to God. But whose promise is it? Whose word is this? It is the word of the one who speaks no empty words. God speaks no empty, vain, futile, fruitless, powerless words. Every word he speaks, he speaks with purpose and effect. And that includes a promise like this one, a promise that's so great that it staggers our souls, but it's true. And that's why it's it's valuable for us to take the time that we did with our first point. To really bask in the truth in all of those different ways. That God's word accomplishes God's purpose. It's worth taking the time to survey that. Because when you do that, when you take that in, what it shows you is that God's word has a track record. It's always been the case. In every way that his word is solid and sure and powerful. It's never been the case that his word turns out to be empty, vain, futile, powerless. So what makes you think it's going to turn out to be that now? When you're staring at the staggering promise. That he'll wrap his arms around you and take you back in and forgive you when you go back to him. This promise is... God's word, underline God's. And because it's God's word, it has a purpose, God's purpose. And that purpose is that God should have for himself a redeemed, forgiven people. That word's not going to fail. It's never failed anyone before you. It's not going to start failing now with you. It's one of the reasons why I wanted us to sing by faith earlier in the service. That's a song that takes us back, way back. To the people of God trusting these staggering promises. The people of God all along the way finding that yes, this word is solid and trustworthy. It's effectual. It's powerful. What makes you think that you're going to find? That that word fails you. And that the promise turns out to be bankrupt now. It has never been. It will never be. And then it even gets better. Not only is it the case that the promise can be trusted, that forgiveness is the result of repentance, but then it's also the case that many will repent. The word is powerful in that sense as well. Not only can you trust the promise that God forgives, but also this, many will find themselves changed so as to believe 
and take him up on that promise. Many people are going to hear the summons to repentance and they're going to do it. And why? Because they're clever? No. Because their parents are clever and brought them up in it? No. Not ultimately. Because their church was solid? No. Ultimately, they're going to repent because that very word is going to be powerful in their lives. And it's going to be powerful in their lives to make them repent because that's what God wants it to do. And his word will not fail. So it's, it's double reassurance here. Not only can you trust the promise, but also many people are going to take God up on it. And here we are today as those who have. This very gathering for worship is proof. That the word comes down and accomplishes the purposes of God. Here we are. This very gathering of a redeemed people for God's worship this morning was one of his purposes. And would you look at that? It's come to be. So a few final words of application here. First of all, this, thinking about how all of this touches down in our lives. Let me ask you this. Do you find yourself discouraged in prayer? Maybe you've been praying for a long time for somebody in your life. You've been praying for them, that the word of the Lord would have some good effect in their life. Maybe you've been praying for somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And you want the word to bring them in. Or maybe you've been praying for somebody who does know the Lord. And what you want more than anything is for this word to to teach them, to help them, to guide them in some way. And maybe you've become discouraged because you have been praying these things for so long and it hasn't happened. Or maybe you're discouraged because it's just so hard to imagine that things could ever change. Well, here's comfort for you. The word of the Lord will certainly accomplish the purposes of the Lord. And deep down, isn't that what you really want? For his purpose to be realized, for his glory to be manifested. That person you're praying for who doesn't know the Lord, will they come to know the Lord? That's not guaranteed. Or will the word teach and help and guide that brother or sister in Christ the way... It's helped you anytime soon. Who knows? But this much you can know. The word will not fail. And that can keep you praying. And then secondly, lastly, this point of encouragement as well. Do you find yourself still doubting the claim that abundant forgiveness is the result of repentance? Do you still tremble at the very thought of it? That a promise that good can actually be true. All you've got to do is remind yourself, whose message, whose word is this? Where did this claim come from? This claim, this promise is the very word of God. This claim came from his lips, and he doesn't speak words that turn out to be empty. Sometimes I do, sometimes you do, but God does not. So be encouraged as one who presses on in prayer. Be encouraged as one 
who needs the forgiveness of God. And you can bring these things to mind next time it rains or snows. I did check the forecast. There is an 80% chance of rain on Thursday. So we'll see. Next time it rains, listen to the rain falling and imagine that you can hear in that sound the voice of divine witness. Imagine you can hear the rain saying, the word of the Lord accomplishes the purposes of the Lord. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear the rain and what the rain has to say. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you as the one who brings the rain and the snow. And we thank you today for this sweeping truth that is good for our souls, that your word accomplishes your purposes. And we thank you for it today, especially because it reassures us that we really can rely upon this staggering promise of pardon. So may this word take root in our own souls and bear fruit And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.